still, like I get so excited to come to campus and talk to the people and, you know, what's new that I can learn and, and how can I better tell the story that I'm telling. And I'm still excited about Xavier. <laughs> I hope that, you know, like it's not a surprise, I don't think to anybody. And so I think that's the other thing too. Like when you stop being excited, when you, when it starts feeling like, oh God, this is work. That might be the time to, to start thinking, okay, what would make it less work? And maybe that's coming back to my like Mary Poppins philosophy of you've got to find the fun in your day because um, it makes everything a little bit better. Elevating Admission Voices, and today we talk with Julie Nelson about everything from the importance of keeping people in the loop to what it means to be a self-cheerleader. Let's get started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Elevating Admission Voices. I am your host, Angie Cooksey, and joining me today is maybe one of the people I've known longest in my admissions career, uh, Miss Julie Nelson, Assistant Dean of Admission at Xavier University. Welcome, Julie. Well, thanks, Angie, for having me. Welcome to you. <laughs> I am so excited. Um, as some of you know who've listened to the show before, this is really intended as a space to highlight people and highlight the humans in our field um, and make the desk of admissions a table that encourages everyone to kind of pull up a chair and share their story. And uh, as I think about this field and I think about who does that in the most exceptional kind of way, Julie Nelson, you are always at the top of that list. Um, and so before we dive into those questions that I have for you, I always like to start by giving my guests space to share their story and talk about a little bit about who they are, what that journey has looked like for you. And so I'm gonna turn it over to you. Um, who are you? How do you identify? What does your road look like? How have you ended up here today having this conversation? Yeah, oh my God, I love that analogy of admissions as a table and not as a desk because that's that's how I live my life. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there's always I gonna cannot... be a space I have to keep saying I cannot take credit for it. I wish I could remember who I heard it from and one day it will connect for me. So it is not my analogy, but I shamelessly have stolen it and have used it. Um, but if it is your analogy, can you please reach out to me and tell me? <laughs> <laughs> and tell me too, so I can cite my source. Yes. For sure, for sure. But you know, it's so funny because I that's the way I see this profession. You know, we, we eat so many turkey sandwiches together, right? And so- you know, if you're ever to college fair with me, I'm always the last, per, you know, Xavier's the last school generally alphabetically at a college fair. And there's always an empty table next to mine. And that's where we all plop down. So excellent analogy and kind of, you know, the way I see myself in this, in my role as an admission person. So this is actually, I, it's funny, LinkedIn today reminded me that I am now celebrating 14 years at Xavier um, as of next week. And so um, I'll be starting year 15 at Xavier, but starting year 30 in admissions, which is crazy to think that I've spent like now pretty much half my admission career at Xavier. Not that that's a bad thing. It's an awesome thing. Yeah. Um, but to kind of go backwards to, to get you to here, um, 
you know, I, as, as most admission folks do, I gave a lot of tours in college and kind of found my niche. You know, I, I was a theater person. So, you know, getting up and talking to people and sharing a story was kind of my, my stock in trade. Um, a full disclosure, I graduated from Loris College. I probably should give them a shout out, right? Um, <laughs> from Loris College, I got an interview in the admission office and then did not get the job. Um, in hindsight, you know, obviously was crushed, but in hindsight, it was a really good thing. I needed a little bit of space. I needed to figure out who I was and, and what I wanted to be. And if this really, you know, wasn't just like the easy path to say, well, this is what I did all the time in college. Here's what I'm gonna do for a living. So um, I managed express stores in the early nineties. So for those of you who, uh, may have been around. It was during Express's French period when everything was French. Uh, not everything was like, you know, skin tight office suit. And um, so I loved that. I did that for about a year and a half, but I still had this, maybe this is where I should be. So um, this is back in the days, again, before the internet. And um, my one of my besties who lived across the street from me went to St. Mary's in Winona and she got a letter from her career services office that said, hey, there's this college in Chicago hiring an admission counselor. So Amy took that letter, ran it across the street. She was like, you want to do this, right? And I said, yeah, I, I sure did. And she's like, you should apply. And I was like, okay, well, that's where I started. I started at McCormick College, uh, downtown Chicago, uh, schlepping my court reporting machine to college fairs, doing presentations for the business schools. Um, and then with a year of experience under my belt there, Loris had an opening surprise there was an opening in an admission office and um <laughs> never heard of it before <laughs> no never and uh so then I was there uh for five years and you know progressively well you know it's one of those things where you come in as an admission counselor and through attrition and your own volition if I want to rhyme it um <laughs> you know all of a sudden I was assistant director and you know had more seniority than anybody in the office because again, moving parts. Yeah. Um, but after about five years, I was like, I've done pretty much everything I can do here. I would really like to get back to the Chicagoland area. No shade on Dubuque, Iowa. I had an amazing time there. Did a lot of theater, made some in incredible friends, but was ready to come back. And so that summer between um, Loris and, well, I ended at Bradley, but mm -hmm. um, that summer, I think I had something like nine interviews. Wow. And as much as, you know, it was really awesome to get those interviews. It was really helpful for me because I was trying to figure out what was my path. I had interviews on the high school counseling side. I had interviews in high school admissions. I was at wow. public schools. I was at private schools. So it really was kind of my own career exploration through the interview process more than, you know, like through an internship. Um, but eventually I did end up at Bradley after about three interviews because they weren't sure I was going to stick around in admissions, I which mean, the irony continues. <laughs> right, right. Oh, we're not, we're not sure. She's well, because I was not sure. You know, like yeah. where, where is this going to take me? But I loved being a regional. I absolutely like found my niche. Um, obviously, too, Bradley found my niche there. Just loved everything about that experience. We had some amazing teams during my eight years at Bradley and um, we were really eight, just despite the fact that I was two and a half hours from campus, although 
I was there an awful lot. So um, I had like pre internet. So you had to read paper files. Right. Well, and I didn't read files. That's the crazy thing. Like they, um, it was at that point, you know, no, no internet, no slate, no recruitment plus no, we actually had something called Amtrak my first year. Um, So none of that. And they said, we're nervous about mailing you paper files. So once I got off the road, yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So once I got off the road in the fall, I just waited around till like three o'clock and um, made my phone calls. Like that was what I did. So, I mean, I had other things that I was doing. I wasn't just like (laughs) sitting there, but there was no email to answer, you know, and if there was, it was very, it was a very short, (laughs) you know, like here's two emails from somebody on campus. Um, But it really, it was kind of that transition of, here's the old school recruiting, like, here's a bag of materials. Here's a, here's a, you know, a triple A triptych. Here's a, here's a car go and a paper map. Right. And a paper map. Right. Um, or the six County finder. There was this great book yeah. called the six County finder where, you know, if you got to the end of the road on the page, it would say, go to page 85 and you were on page 12. So you'd be driving and you'd have to like flip the pages, but um, so Bradley and, you know, definitely made some, some moves for myself there, um, in terms of reassessing like what it meant to be a regional, because having come from that experience at Loris, where I was doing everything, you know, I was running event days and counting brochures in the inventory room and, you know, you name it, I was doing it to now all of a sudden kind of being inert. <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. I have all this experience. I have these connections. was really involved in ISCAC, of course. And um, so I said, what else can I do? How can I, you know, take on some more things that people on campus are doing? And so went from assistant to associate director, was really fortunate to have everybody's support. And, and I was president during of ISCAC during my time at Bradley. So that was great. And then after about eight years and a kid, not two, although <laughs> that's coming. Um, <laughs> I was like, it's, it's ready. It's time to, to move on. And so um, decided that I wanted a, a director title because that's where I thought I was heading and um, became the director of transfer admission at, at Lewis University. And um, as God also likes to laugh as well as put you where you should be, mm-hmm. uh, I accepted the job at Lewis, I gave my two weeks at Bradley and somewhere in the middle of that, got pregnant with Charlotte. So showed up for my first day of work at Lewis um, to have my, you know, here's our, our new hire. You're gonna meet with Ray Keneally, our vice president. And um, our the Dean at the time, Andrew Season, was out that day, but he was like, you'll be fine. Uh, I'll be back the next day. And so, um, I had to walk into Ray Keneally's office at like 1130. And I said, I know we have a meeting scheduled for one o'clock, but I need to go home because I had more first day so bad. Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I was like, I think that should have been my sign. But again, it, it, everything happens for a reason. We learn new skills. We sharpen our saw, we fill our toolbox. And so after about a year at Lewis, including my I, don't, I think I took six weeks of maternity leave because I had no vacation. And right. You know. So um, after that, I was like, you know what? I miss being a regional. I miss having that 
that connection. And so, um, or disconnection maybe is the case, maybe. And so I, um, had heard through the grapevine that Xavier, the school I knew not very much about other than it was one of the Jesuit schools, um, was going to be hiring a regional. And then I happened to be at a meeting with my freshman counterpart at Lewis. And he said, Hey, did you hear Aaron Meese is the new Dean at Xavier? Now this is like blast from the past because Aaron Meese worked at Loyola when I worked at Loris and obviously alphabet friends at the college fair, we'd gotten to be really, um, you know, good friends over the years and just kind of lost track of each other a little bit. He had moved around. He was in, actually in South Carolina and um, obviously I was still here. And so I reached out to him and he will laugh and tell you that the first email he got in his Xavier email box was from me <laughs> asking about this job. And so um, he responded almost immediately, which was hilarious to me. And he gave me the hard sell. Like he called me because Aaron Meese is a caller. He's not an emailer. I just really miss phone calls. I just have to stop for a second. I mean, I know that's crazy, but I feel like in this Zoom world, like sometimes I'm like, can we just have a phone call? Uh, Maybe it's yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, so he called me and gave me the hard sell for like, he didn't come up for air for probably 20 minutes. And so at the end of this, and if you know Aaron, when he gets excited, that's the way he goes. He just talks really fast and and moves along. And so at the end of it, he was like, do you have any questions for me? And I was like, yes, I do. And he's like, awesome. What do you need? And I said, can I shut my door? He was like, what? I'm like, I am at work and all the things I want to ask you, I don't want somebody just like wandering by, you yeah. know? So um, he was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I should have thought about that. And um, I'm like, I have an hour plus commute home. I I would love to talk to you then if you're free. And he said, oh yeah, for sure. And so we had a great conversation. Um, Two weeks later, I was on a plane to Cincinnati to interview. And then like a week later, I had a new job. So here I am, two kids, 30, well, 15, 14 years at Xavier, almost 30 in admissions later. And I still love what I do. So, you know, there's, there's always ups and downs, but at the end of the day, to really look over the, the vista of, of what we do as a profession and as professionals and to say, I I did some good today. I did some good in the world. I, I made somebody recognize their own, you know, I let them shine their light a little bit. That's all you can ask for. Right. So. I love that you just said that because literally what I wrote down as I was thinking about you and thinking about our time together, the first word, I guess it's probably a phrase, but the first thing I think of when I think of you is really this idea that you're a champion of people. (laughs) And, you know, I think everybody, you know, everybody talks to you and if you are in Illinois um, or you have ever traveled in Illinois you will be at a fair and somebody will be like, do you know Julie Nelson? And if if you don't, you will meet her because that is just kind of how these things work, particularly in the Chicagoland area. And not to say Julie doesn't travel other places, but it's kind of where your home is, it's where you've been for a while. Right, um, right, right. But and- Central Illinois too, you'll see me along the I-74 Central- corridor. <laughs> Central Illinois. And this idea of being a champion of people, I think is something that's so valuable because I think when people come into your orbit, they just immediately are like, she's my friend. And I think that's a really special gift. Um, So that's one of the things that I think is so fun for me about these conversations is I get to like shine that back on somebody and be like, you're really exceptional at this. So I'm glad you said that um, because, because I think you are. And I bring that up because you and I have had conversations over the years 
sort of about this different, well, not sort of, but about this difference between leadership in our field and management in our field and all of the rigmarole around titles you had mentioned, like, I thought I should be a director next. Um, and so I'd be curious, kind of your thoughts, especially through that lens of being a champion of people, how you've applied that to your career. Cause I think there's a lot of people who think I have to do this and then I have to do this. And I'm only successful if my career looks like this. And I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. And I, especially in our world where, you know, you could be hired as an assistant director or an associate director or a junior dean or whatever, right. and have exactly the same job description as someone who is recruitment specialist. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so I think to get hung up on this whole notion of titles is it's it's kind of weird to me because honestly, at the end of the day, you know, whatever my title is and whatever the most, the newest person on my staff is at the end of the day, and I'll use your phrase, we are champions of people. We are all doing the same thing. We are telling our story of our institution to someone yeah. hoping that they get as excited about our place as we are. And once they are, and once we get to know them, then it's our job to kind of lift them up and say, okay, here's all the things you could do. And here are the people that you need to meet. Because I think, you know, I look back on my own experiences and, and where I found my place or where I, you know, felt like I was most at home or appreciated. I, you know, there's a pretty big spectrum there, but <laughs> it was... <laughs> Um, but I would say it was always where somebody said to me, you do this thing well, whether they said it in those words mm -hmm. or gave me an opportunity that allowed me to showcase what I could do. And so I see it kind of as a, a paying forward thing. On one hand, uh, an Annie Kramer who's the Dean of Admission at Drake and a darling friend and worked at Bradley with me. Um, she will always say that I'm like the mama duck, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm always going to like gather the lost ducklings and be like, come with me. I will get you there. Yeah. So I think it's comes from a place of never wanting to feel like the kid in the lunchroom standing there with my tray, like, where do I go next? Because that is the worst feeling in the world. I don't care if you're 12 or you're 52 walking into a conference, you never want that like, oh God, where do I sit? So that's part of my motivation is I, I have had such great experiences and been so welcomed into our profession, into our professional organization by people who did the same thing for me. So it's a pay it forward thing. But I also think it's so important in what we do to bring all the voices to the table. And so recognizing, hey, I've got this frame of reference that has worked for me for 30 years. I, you know, I'm continually sharpening my saw. I go to conferences. I learn new tricks. You know, I play around in the slate forums, whatever I need to do. But my lens is my lens. Right. Like my lens is where I grew up. And so, and, you know, what I know and who I know and where I went to school. So I'm always on the, I don't want to say on the lookout, but certainly very cognizant of here's somebody with a different experience and a really good idea. And I have the whatever, 
cachet maybe, or just experience or connections or what to say, you need to tell this person, because as much as I think this is a great idea, this person can make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so if I can just be that connector, I think that whether it's admissions, whether it's, you know, Hey, my neighbor's got a taller ladder, you know, like, (laughs) you know, we're, we're always looking for ways to connect to people. And, um, and, and that's, that's what I love about this profession is it's never been, you know, Oh, that's a really good idea. Now I've got to figure out one that's better. No, I could work with you on that idea. It's, it's so much, um, collaboration as opposed to no 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 this is the only way or the best way you're going to meet a lot of different people so I I think that's kind of where I'm coming from I I'd be curious kind of especially coming from that place this has been a this has been a hard I would say two years for our field um and not to say our field hasn't gone through hard times before I've been in this field for 15 years so I can't speak to other times in the field but these last two years on the professional staff side, it's been tricky. And I I know we've had a lot of conversations or I've had a lot of conversations with, with our peers where we're all kind of navigating, like, how are we keeping staff? How are we navigating turnover? Oh my gosh, I have another opening. Oh my gosh, you have another opening. And how is that impacting you? And, And where do you see us as a field needing to make some changes to support the professionals in this field? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing we all have to recognize is while we just all put our heads down and said, okay, we've got to figure out a way to do our job without putting our faces in front of other people's faces, particularly, you know, during the height of the pandemic, like no more handshaking, no more handshaking, uh, (laughs) stay six feet away and, and, you know, keep your mask on. So, so hard, but um, I think we all have to recognize that it's trauma, you know, it's it not like a, you know, it's not, I was gonna say it's not life or death, but for some people it was. So, you know, God bless, we're all still here. But I think recognizing that we need some time and some space to say, we went through a time. We need to like recoup, lick our wounds, whatever um, analogy you want to use and, and be gentle with ourselves and each other to say, okay, it's not just, okay, we're back, you know, oh, high school visits are back in person. So everything's going to be the same, right? No, it's not. And so I think for the students and families we work with, it's one thing, but for each other, I think it's a recognition in a lot of ways that um, maybe for some people, this is a, you know, <laughs> earth shattering moment. Our jobs aren't easy. And I think there has been, you know, in the past and maybe depending on the institution you work for, it may still be, oh, those kids in admissions, right? That, you know, the students just flock and show up and your classes will be full in in August and magical, you know, magical. And it's (laughs) not, you know, oh, the admission office, they're the ones opening the envelopes and, you know, typing things into a computer. Well, no, that's, that's not the story. And so I think as we move forward, the recognition of what we do and the energy and the time and the concentration and the incredibly large 
toolbox that we need to have as professionals in order to do our jobs well. And, you know, whether it's the interpersonal pieces or the technological pieces or the data analysis pieces or the, okay, I'm thinking about the net tuition revenue. If we do this, you know, all of those kinds of things, it's not just throw your blanket over a table and tell some good stories. There's so much more nuance. And so to recognize, hey, we are the revenue. I always hate to talk about admissions and revenue, but it's so important. So um, it's you know, the reality of where we are right it's now. It's reality. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's not just like, oh, this is, you know, we're going to have people coming. No, we're, you know, all of the things um, are against us. So to be able to say we are the revenue generating arm of our institutions and with the majority of us being tuition driven, it's about time that we're valued for the contributions that we make as a profession. You know, that it's not just the hardest part. And we all know three or 30, right? You're in for three, you're in for 30. So Angie, you're halfway there. Halfway Um, there. Oh man. I like I've committed now, right? Like, right. Over the hump. Um, it, It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. But the, the churn and the, just the, the grind, I guess, I'm going to use all these like blender terms, but the grind of, you know, what the fall looks like and what the spring looks like. And for those professionals that we hired during or right before the pandemic, you know, I think about some of the, my, some of the folks on my team who were hired in the fall of 2019. Right. It wasn't, they still haven't had a quote unquote normal admission cycle. You know, and we, us old timers, you know, we take it for granted, like, oh, this is what it's going to look like, but we don't know that either. And right. so Just I think the hope and a prayer right now. Right. Right. And so I think, you know, recognizing this isn't just, you know, getting in your car and driving all over whatever zip code you have. It's, it's sales, it's counseling, it's, you know, high level interpretation of data and so in any other field and I think this is the hard part too in any other field someone who had that skill set would make exponentially more salary wise than um you know so for people who are looking at their peers who are doing jobs that require a similar skill set but yet are in a completely different industry it's apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. And then to look at those same friends who are making exponentially more, who don't have to work Saturday and Sunday and 14 and 15 days in a row because it's travel season, right? You know, it's, it's hard, especially after coming off of a, you know, year and a half where we proved we can do a lot of what we need to do in our house, in our comfy pants. Yeah. And so it's, it's just, like balancing out all the the needs and wants, I guess. Well, I, I think that's important. And, and honestly, it's so much of why I love creating this space is, you know, I think it's a little bit, you, you mentioned compensation, and I think it's a little bit still taboo in our industry to talk about where our salaries and where our compensation is. And, and I think in some ways we've allowed institutions to kind of hide behind that and that's kept it where it is. And I think having those brave conversations is going to help move the dial because I think we've recognized over the last two years, 
a lot of places can't keep people at what they're being compensated at. And, you know, there's going to have, like you said, there's going to have to be some recognition of, hey, this isn't admissions of 1982 anymore. It's enrollment management It at most in a lot of places. And it is it is a different kind of, it is a profession in, in ways that maybe it hasn't been looked at previously. Yeah. And I think it's also, sure, compensation is a big part of that. But I think it's also a recognition of, and I will not say balance because you don't say balance, but I will say of, <laughs> of work-life flow. And yes, yeah. we're going to have busy times. I'm not, uh, we're going to stop, you know, traveling in October. That's crazy. No, sorry. That's the nature of the beast. Right. But at the same time, you know, how do you, how do you have that kind of give and take of right. you're not just on 24 seven. So well, I, I want, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that I had made note and you had mentioned is that you've spent the majority of your career regional, um, of your 30 years, how many years were you on a proper campus? Uh, seven, eight, eight. Okay. Sorry, so- Beth. Let, like a third, a third of your career mm-hmm. on campus, two thirds of your career, you have managed yourself. Um, and a lot of times I, I talk about regionals is they're really their own little businesses. Like they're doing their own stuff uh, because they don't have necessarily the support that you would have on campus in the same kinds of ways sometimes. And, you know, one of the, the conversations that's come up a lot for me lately is regionals who come up and they're like, my institution doesn't believe I can do X, Y, or Z. And so as you have been in this field and navigated regional life, how, what advice do you have? What thoughts do you have on, on how to educate up to the leadership and the management at some of these institutions to provide that space, not only for our teams that are regional, because I think more and more of our teams are creating remote positions, but again, to give that space to our professionals in our, in our offices, um, who are often very young and new professionals and so we feel like we have to monitor them in ways that probably we shouldn't be, or we don't need to be. Sure. And I, I think it comes down to, um, you know, just even, I, I'm not saying micromanage. I don't think anybody needs to know what I'm doing every minute of every day. Right. But, <laughs> and there are definitely places where regionals are managed that way. So I've been very fortunate that I've had the trust of my supervisors and of our team that, Hey, Julie knows what she's doing, you know, but I think it's the communication goes both ways that it's not just, okay, leave me alone. I'm going to get my job done, but the communication of here's what I'm doing today. And I'm a firm believer in that getting people to your spot, you know, to your territory, whether that's a colleague, a new colleague. I think it's, it's always, I would say, come be a regional for a day. Like yeah. bring your laptop. I have good Wi-Fi at my house. I have better coffee in my house than you, do, <laughs> you know, in the office, like come and see what my day is really like. Cause it's funny when, especially when we hire new folks and they'll call and they'll apologize. They're like, Oh, I bet you're really busy. Not today. You know, right. other days. Yes. But you, you caught me at a good moment. It's not like I am grinding every minute because if I was on campus I'd probably be standing in your door and we'd be talking about I don't know RuPaul's Drag Race or something so um (laughs) not that I'm throwing well yeah we do that a lot at Xavier but so that's um I think the biggest thing is just the the communication piece but I think it's it's not just here's what I'm doing it's laying out those expectations 
early and often and keeping people in the loop because there's nothing worse than you know being at a college fair and you're chatting with a family and they tell you something that you don't already know and you're like oh we are going to build that building great it would have been nice to know that um so I think that's that's key yeah I we've all had those moments right where somebody gets a letter from some department on campus and you're like wow okay that sounds like an awesome initiative yes are you sure it came from our institution can I see that although with mine there are several schools that have Xavier in their name so every once in a while somebody does produce a letter from a different institution I'm like oh that's not me uh, different, different Xavier. <laughs> right. That we say Xavier or Xavier in Louisiana. Oh my gosh. Um, kind of circling back to something you, what you were talking about at the beginning, as you talked about kind of moving places, um, there's no roadmap in this, this field. And as we've talked about kind of investing in new professionals and staying in this field and three or 30, how have you navigated kind of when to move, when to make a move, when to stay? Has there been anything that's kind of signal to you? I know you kind of mentioned like, Hey, I kind of got to a place where I'd done what I could do here. Um, Mm -hmm. what does that really look like? I think for me, I'm, I'm a pretty good, uh, self cheerleader. I don't know if that's even a term. I think I just made that up. Sorry. Um, (laughs) right. To be able to say, here's something that interests me, whether it's, I would love to give it a shot to, you know, train new staff, or I would like to learn how to be, you know, learn how to use Slate or Access or whatever it is. I'm going to seek those opportunities out and not as a, if I learn this, then I can go on to the next piece. It's really more for my own, you know, just knowledge and validation. And this is something I think is important. Um, I think a lot of that too has come from conversations with colleagues at other institutions. Yeah. Um, to be able to say like, what are you guys doing? And again, it goes back to the whole collaboration idea, but at some point it, it feels, well, at least for me, it's, it's felt like, you know, after, I would say, I feel like, I felt like a, like a bird who couldn't get out of the cage anymore. Like okay. <laughs> that's really, yeah. that's, that's a very tangible thing, but it's just like, I need to be able to sing metaphorically and literally. Um, if we you know, ask nicely, I, she might sing on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to spread my wings, whatever uh, metaphor you want to use. But when you can look out at what other places are doing and look at your own place and realize I have tapped out all of the opportunities I have here. I've asked the right people. I've done the things I need to do. That's always felt like, okay, it it's time to go. Um, And it's, some of it has been, you know, especially in my time at Loris and again, not throwing them under the bus, but there was some really abrupt shifts uh, in leadership and in mission and not mission so much, but just in that sort of philosophical look at what we were doing that I was like, this doesn't feel like me anymore. Hmm. And, and that was really, I think what that and, and wanting to come home, I think that was also it, but you know, that's kind of what propelled me there. And, and I think, you know, to make the move 
from Bradley, it wasn't that at all. It wasn't, you know, oh my gosh, this is the, the wheels are falling off the bus. It was really more for me. And again, after 13 years in, I'm like, yeah, you know, all of my, my contemporaries are doing these big things. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, I've got to do a big thing too. I think, you know, part of me maybe was a little nervous to be like, okay, I'm going to leave the comfort of my little bird cage and try something new. But I think part of me was also like, you got to do this for you. And you've mm-hmm. got to see if if this is the right next step, which in retrospect, it wasn't, it wasn't right. So, right. um, but I think, you know, especially moving from Lewis to Xavier, I always say my time at Bradley and my time at Lewis and my time at Loris taught me a lot about who I am, not only as a professional, but as a, as a person. And mm-hmm. so while all those institutions are really different, what I came to realize was, you know, I was, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic schools for 12 of my 16 formative years while, you know, I certainly, I hope my, my dad's not listening, but I'm not, you know, a super practicing Catholic anymore. I'm, I'm still there, but you know, there's, there's definitely things that I, I struggle with. Yeah. It's still part of who I am. Right. And so I loved that faith driven mission. I loved that. I loved the medium size of Bradley. It, you know, I, I just loved the opportunities that it gave students when I went to Lewis, then I understood more like Lewis is diocesan. So it doesn't belong to any order, but Lewis belongs to the Christian brothers. So like those three things combined, the care for the person, the medium size, and now the mission drivenness, I found all of those things. And those all were very important to me. And they, I found all those things at Xavier. And I, I almost said current personalis. There I go being all Jesuit again, when I said care for the person, because that's what it means. But yeah, you know, that's, it, it manifests in a lot of different ways. And so for me now, you know, I always say, I didn't know how Jesuit I was till I, till I got to Xavier. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that as Xavier has evolved and we just had a presidential leadership change and, you know, certainly we've had some restructuring. We've, we're very regional. When I started, we were very on campus and now we're 10 and soon to be 13 regionals. So, you know, it's, it's a different model for sure. But I, I still like, I get so excited to come to campus and talk to the people and, you know, what's new that I can learn and, and how can I, better tell the story that I'm telling and I'm still excited about Xavier (laughs) I hope that you know like it's not a surprise I don't think to anybody and so I think that's the other thing too like when you stop being excited when you when it starts feeling like oh god this is work Mm -hmm. that might be the time to to start thinking okay what would make it less work and maybe that's coming back to my like Mary Poppins philosophy of you've got to find the fun in your day um because it makes everything a little bit better. But when your day is, oh my gosh, I can't wait to tell you about this thing, whether it's, you know, let me tell you about this class, or let me tell you about this experience, or let me tell you about this cool building we're building, or, you know, we have a pizza ATM, whatever it is. Like, I still... I'm pretty jealous about that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm contractually obligated. I always have to mention the pizza ATM. But, <laughs> um, you know, when I stop being excited, that's when I'll start, you know, 
really doing some soul searching and looking and, you know, what's my next move. However, I, I, in my heart of hearts, uh, unless something is, you know, something goes completely haywire, I really don't see myself leaving. I'm probably, you know, not going to look right. Um, I might not have a say in them, but I hope I wouldn't, but, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's my place. I'm, I'm happy to be part of that. Yeah. That in and of itself, I hope you, you pause and, and feel that. Cause I think that's, that's a huge statement to feel like you're in the place that you're supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm. and I know you and I were chatting a little bit before we talked about how not every journey and path is straight and it doesn't mean it's the wrong path. It's okay. If it zigs and zags a little bit, you get kind of where you're supposed to be. And I think, I hope what people here listening today hear from your story is, Maybe you say it when it's too the whole time, but you're still excited and you love that and you wake up every day and you're energized and that's awesome. And maybe you're somebody that's bounced around a little bit and you are in that transition and that's okay too. There's no right way to do this work. No, absolutely not. And there's always something new to learn, right? Because if it was just the same thing, I push this button and this lever goes down and this hammer comes up, you know, like a Rube Goldberg machine or something. Okay fine. And we'd all work in a factory, right? Right. Exactly. I pull this cord and that's all I do all day. As we wrap up today, um, one of the things, and and you know, this, you have been such a, a integral part of one of the programs that we've developed in Illinois called Elevate, um, which is really about creating space for conversations for women to have again, just space in this field. Um, and one of the things we did in our last session was talk about what are you exceptional at? And I, I, have started weaving that into our conversations here on um, elevating admission voices, because I think sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit, right? And we, we tell our students, hey, tell us what you're great at, write about it in your personal statement, tell me how awesome you are. And then we don't turn that around on ourselves and, and recognize that. So I, I want to give people that space and, and let people hear, um, learn a little bit about you through that lens. And so as we wrap up today, that is my question for you, Miss Julie, what are you exceptional at? Well, you know, it's so funny that you would ask me this question because I just came off of four days of an essay writing workshop where I was <laughs> <laughs> encouraging all these rising seniors or actually pretty much seniors at this point, um, right. you know, to tell their stories. Um, wow, Angie, you're stumping me here. I, it's so hard to talk about myself. That's the other thing too. Like, right. Like the rest of it was all pretty factual. This is, (laughs) this is dig deep. So I would say, you know, and kind of circling back to what we talked about at the beginning is, is seeing the, the good in people. I know that sounds really esoteric, but everybody has value. And I think for some some people, and and you see this too, sometimes you go to a high school visit or you're at a college fair or you're just, you know, wherever, and you can tell somebody's having a day and, yeah. and you're like, there. what, oh yeah. And what could I do or say to make that, that person, you know, just stop and think and say, oh, I do have cute earrings or whatever, you know, or yeah. I'm really, you know, I, I'm a big fan of passing on compliments mm-hmm. because Again, I just proved I have a really hard time talking about myself, but if I see something and I know, Hey, this is above and beyond what the norm is. So 
again, maybe there's a brand new admission professional next to me at the, you know, the table next to me at the college fair. And I happen to know that person's director and that person, the admission professional, the new one is just killing it. I'm going to make that call. I'm going to send that email. I'm going to say, you've got your, you've got a rock star on your hands because, you know, the things that we often don't realize other people notice are the things by which our reputations are made. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I think when, when you can affirm those things or even maybe sometimes say, Hey, do you know that you're doing this? Um, I think I'm really good at approaching those situations, whether it's good or bad, um, with some tact and some humor and some warmth. And, you know, I, I'm always going to tell somebody, Hey, you did a good job. <laughs> so I, I, I think I'm pretty exceptional at that for sure. I, and it comes down to maybe being a, an observer of people. Mm-hmm. And maybe this ties into the, the theater thing where I'm always like, how could I use that? <laughs> You know, and take your tools where you can find them. Right. 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 And so I, I just love, well, I just love people bottom line, but I just love seeing people interact and, and looking for all the, the stuff of those interactions. So on that note, I think we are going to wrap up today. Julie, thank you so much for, for joining me. I, one of the notes that I made as I was thinking about our conversation today is that I am not sure you have ever met a stranger. And I think that this conversation <laughs> has proven that um, you are one of those people in this field that believes in connection and practices it. And I, I hope people hear that in your message today. Um, and again, really at the heart of what we're doing here on Elevating Admission Voices is exactly that, helping build connections and giving space to hear the voices that we don't hear all the time. And I know sometimes you would say, hey, everybody's heard my voice, Um, (laughs) but that's not, it doesn't mean that everybody knows your story and getting to share that and hear those journeys, I hope gives people in our field that space to say, gosh, I wasn't really feeling this anymore. I wasn't sure that admissions is where it is, but maybe I need to look at it a little differently. There's something here because it's pretty amazing when you hear from people like you who've done it um, and continue to show the joy every single day. So thank you, Julie, for joining us. We'll see you all next time on Elevating Admission Voices.